it seems as if there's now a game of one hand up the bat of who can say the craziest thing related to the end of our democracy. I noticed none of these people, and too many Republicans have fallen for this. They never say the end of the republic. Have you noticed that? They never say, well, this is a threat to the republic. This is threatening our, our republic. They always say, our democracy, our democracy, our democracy. We're not a democracy. We're a republic. There is a difference. And there's a, a, a bizarre double think. They constantly talk about democracy, but then they want the Supreme Court to make laws like legalizing abortion. Well, that's not democracy. Nine unelected people making a law is the opposite of democracy. You want to talk about authoritarianism? Yeah, nine unelected people making a law is authoritarianism. So as you see these cases like in Texas and Mississippi, I mean, Texas has already been upheld. The Supreme Court will not overturn. Gavin Newsom is out there, well, I'll do the same thing with guns then. Well, good luck, buddy. Because the Second Amendment clearly gives the people the right to keep and bear arms. Abortion is not mentioned anywhere. And all powers not uh, delegated to the government of the United States are reserved to the states via the Tenth Amendment. That's, that's the Constitution. That's the law. That's our republic. But this weekend, we were treated to a special kind of crazy. In the form of both Hillary Clinton and John Heilman. Now, I'm going to start with Heilman because this game, it seems like these people have taken hyperbole and hyperventilating and and going to bizarre, bizarre extremes to almost elevated it to an art. Like they've elevated it to an art. Now, this is one of the guys that's on this show. Showtime show, The Circus, right? It's him and the other guy in the fedora with the with the scarf. I don't even know the guy's name. But they've taken this hyperventilating to an art form. I want you to listen to this because this is beyond crazy, even for MSNBC and, and Chuck Todd. Play Cut 7. The strength of this Gelman piece is it lays out, first of all, the extraordinary reality that... There's this research that shows that something like at least 8% and maybe as many as 12% of the American people now say that Joe Biden was illegitimate and that violence is an appropriate tool to removing him and restoring Donald Trump. That's somewhere between 20 and 30 million people. That's a mass movement in America in favor of political violence, which is a new thing. We've had political violence in America before, lynching many things over the course of time that African-Americans suffered from. But this is 30 million people right now who are ready to take up arms. You put that together with what the president, the former president, I should say, and his allies are doing in the political realm, state houses, state legislatures, and the party apparatus to be able to engineer a situation where they are in a stronger position to pull off a coup in 2024 than they were in 2020. That's not hyperbolic at all. Those are all facts. The current U.S. military, that's all branches. It's approximately 1.4 million people. Let's say you counted up all federal law enforcement, state and local law enforcement, and the National Guard. Let's say you doubled that number. 30 million people. 
30 million people, according to John Heilman, are ready to take up arms and go hot. At best, the government would be able to respond with 3 million people. At best. Let's make it 4 million. Let's just round up. 30 million people versus 4 million. Well, Andrew, the the government has tanks and planes and nuclear weapons. All right, Eric Swalwell, you're going to drop nuclear weapons? On what? Idaho? You're going to use you're going to use fighter jets? How would you you're going to use fighter jets? Tanks? 30 million people? 30 million people. That's bigger than NATO. That's bigger than all of NATO put together. 30 This is that's this is insane. And this man is a respected journalist. 30 million If 30 million people went hot, first of all, it wouldn't be a civil war. It'd be a total revolution. Now, who the hell do these people think is leading this? Don, Donald Trump is leading a 30 million force strong. Well, that would be pretty scary, wouldn't it? 30 million people? Approximately 10% of the population is about to go hot. And nobody pushes back on this stuff. This is considered, these people are considered intellectuals when they say this stuff. 30 million people. You would not be able to control 30 million people. 30 million people versus the 30 million people. And no, nobody goes, come on, dude. Nobody on that panel was like, uh, that's a, that's a bit of a stretch. I think we're, we're exaggerating here. Not at all. You know, one writer from the Atlantic or the New Yorker or the week, they write these way out there pieces because they're scaring people and they're calling it journalism. Now, they've never explained this. The, if Donald Trump were to run and win, how would that be a threat to our democracy if he legitimately entered the race, legitimately secured the Republican nomination overcame whatever crazy laws they try to make midstream, wins the electoral college, and is set to be inaugurated president. How is that the threat to our... Well, he's an authoritarian who'll do all these things. Like what? Secure the border? Point out to NATO that maybe it's a pretty bad idea that you guys in Europe keep buying... Russian oil and natural gas, which we're going to get into that. Because now the G7 is saying, okay, Vladimir Putin, you can't go invade Ukraine or they'll be will write you a strongly worded letter. You know what he's going to say? I'll cut off your gas. Were they threatening? There's always been a threat, right? Through, through multiple administrations, right? We know that Vladimir Putin is an old Soviet Union guy. They see... Ukraine, the way China sees Taiwan, they want it back, they think it's theirs, and it's no shock that there are separatists in Ukraine who consider themselves ethnically and culturally and politically Russian, right? They, they, there are people in Ukraine that want this. But isn't it amazing that we're getting one step closer now that the Germans have become more reliant on Russia for oil and natural gas as well as some of our other NATO allies. 
So what is this authoritarianism? Was it the First Step Act? That was terrible, right? Was it the Opportunity Zones and the scholarships? What was, what was the authoritarianism of Donald Trump other than, other than self-loathing misanthropes who are also blue-check Democrats flipping out at everything Trump ever tweeted? What was the authority? Was it the war with Iran that never happened? Was it the USMCA? What was the authoritarianism of Donald Trump? Identify it for me. Because if you think, if you think separating families at the border, air fingers quote, is Nazi, nobody was gassed, nobody was killed. People were being separated at the border for two reasons. One, there's no jurisdiction in America that when an adult is arrested, that their children go with them. That doesn't happen anywhere. Your kids, if you get arrested for anything, your kids are not going with you. You're going to be separated. Two, to figure out if they really are the parents or legal guardians and not sex traffickers. But they went crazy. kids in cages. Well, what do you call what's going on now? Well, those are Biden cages. Those are nice. Those are fun. What's the authoritarianism? Tell me. The declaring of the national emergency at the border? Is that it? Was it Operation Warp Speed? Tell me about this authoritarianism, this end of our democracy. Tell me about it. I'd like to hear it. Don't tell me how upset the man made you or you didn't like, you know, who wouldn't, who at this point, and this is where I'm going to get to the Hillary audio, the Democrats know that most Americans at this point would take all the mean tweets in the world to get rid of inflation, the supply chain crisis, being overrun at the border, the crime rate that is spiraling out of control in these major cities, and $2 gallon gas. The world is not Twitter. The majority of people in this country are not living and breathing, waking up first thing in the morning, checking their Twitter feed, looking for a reason to be angry and upset. Twitter's make, Twitter is making, is, is, I think there's going to be a derangement syndrome that we diagnose at some point related to Twitter. People who think the Twitter world is the world. And that what upsets people on Twitter is really what most people are, are feeling affected by in their lives. The overwhelming majority of people in this country don't give a flying F about Twitter. They care about gas prices, taxes food prices, crime rates. You know, these these elitists who are like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, that's just life in the big city. Life in the big city for who? For you? Winesick 695 Patriot 957-2874. So here's Hillary on the Today Show. Donald Trump will break America. Cut four. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton predicting former President Donald Trump will try to reclaim the White House in 2024 with dire consequences for the country if he wins. If I were a betting person right now, I say Trump is going to run again. But I want people to understand that this is a make or break point. The two-time presidential candidate sitting down with Willie Geist says America now faces a choice between truth and lies. 
are we going to give in to all of these lies and this disinformation and this organized effort to undermine our rule of law and our institutions, or are we going to stand up to it? Clinton has been an historic yet polarizing figure in her three decades on the national stage. In the 2016 campaign, Trump ignited crowds against her. something she refuses to take personally. They are motivated by people who do want to tear me down. It's like she knows Trump can win. What did the, did the, when you look around at all the things that are going wrong right now, plus, you know, it's coming from the inside, right? These staffers that are leaving, Kamala Harris's office, talking to the Washington Post. You would think for a group of people that claimed Donald Trump didn't care about the nuances of policy or politics, that he was not read in or well-read, thus not prepared. They said the same thing about George W. Bush as well. That, uh, you know, Bush was so stupid that his staff had to, like, you know, give him presidential daily briefings in crayon. This is what they're saying about Kamala Harris. They're saying she cares not. I was reading a very interesting piece. This is all coming from liberal writers, left-wing writers. They're not liberal, left-wing writers. They're saying she cares not for the details of, of policy. She only cares about the game of politics. And the breaking point for many of the people that left her office were that they, they, they did a ton of work to prepare her for this trip to Guatemala and Central America and to speak about it to the press. And she sat blathering on about the root cause, the root cause, the root cause. Everybody knows the root. There's no studying the root cause. We know why people leave Honduras. It's an asshole. We know that. We know that we've created a perception that if you get here with children, you'll be immediately rushed into the interior and given an opportunity to get, you know, some kind of social safety net assistance, what have you. We know the root causes, but her staff had prepared. And, and then the second part of that is when she refuses to read in on what her staff prepares her with, instead of ex being response, taking responsibility for her sounding not read in, she berates the staff. Well, they've had enough of it. They're leaving. This is the woman who's a heartbeat away from the presidency. Did the media really, if we're being honest, I'd like to speak to a, I would like to speak to a left-wing journalism professor on this one. Did the media, if we're being totally honest with ourselves, did the media really vet the Biden-Harris ticket? No, no, they didn't. They let Joe Biden sit in, in a basement. They let Dr. Jill prop him up from time to time. They relied heavily on, again, hyperventilating so-called journalists like John Heilman. The basic assumption was, well, Joe Biden's been around since 1973. Everyone knows Joe Biden. That's not the point. The media did not in any way operate as it was supposed to, which is to ask any candidate and every candidate tough questions. They didn't do it. They just said, Joe Biden is not orange man bad. We like Joe Biden. He's been around. He's 
And then Kamala Harris, if we're being honest, if we're being totally honest, they were more excited about her gender and her skin tone than anything else. And they've defend, there are people that defend her on that. Well, this, these criticisms of her stink of misogyny and racism, really? From Simone Sanders? Who is the bigot? Who's the misogynist of her mostly female staff, mostly minority female staff that are leaving her because they can't take it anymore? Which one of them is the, is the racist? Which one of them is the sexist? Her own staff is telling you through the Washington Post, this woman does not read in to the issues. She thinks this is a TV drama. She is ill-prepared. In that, how is that sexist or racist? She's facing unfair criticism. Do you guys remember what you did to Sarah Palin? Do you remember it all? You even made fun of her special needs child. So don't tell me about sexism and racism. This is her own staff. The media did not do its job in 2020. They did not ask Joe Biden tough questions questions from time to time would go live from his basement and that was it and the media and again covid perfect excuse we can't have campaign rallies let me let me ask a follow-up to this does anybody really believe really believe that if not for covid and the way the media used covid and the manipulation by people like Fauci. If it were not for COVID, if, if we were still at $2 gallon gas and we were trying to uh, further non-intervention policies, if we were furthering trade activity with the USMCA and standing up to China on tariffs, and there were 7 million more jobs than there were people to fill them, creating a natural labor shortage, not an imposed pandemic-looking labor shortage does anyone really think joe biden would have gotten elected president anybody if he had to get out there on the grueling campaign trail not sitting in his basement does anybody really believe that he would have gotten elected president i don't think anybody buys that one i think covid gave them the excuse to operate as they did and now we're stuck with this man and this woman for the next three years But I think they know. I think they know. I think Hillary knows deep down inside that if Donald Trump runs again, he is going to win. And this is, and it, 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 it's, it, I mean, if you could show me one thing that's functioning properly right now, our inflation rate, our inflation rate is the highest it's ever been. The highest. The highest. And it's not coming down. It's not transitory, right? It's not coming down anytime soon. Biden is, has been talking about an $8.1 trillion budget. That is double, double the standard budget of 4.1. It's double. Where does that money come from? Where does that come from? Is it coming from increased economic activity and taxation? Or is it that we are expanding the money supply? If we are expanding, see, price increases or inflated prices are different than inflation. 
Inflated prices may come from a product shortage, regional instability, or yes, in an expanding economy where there is more jobs than people to fill them, thus creating a labor shortage and that retention or employees making, you know, people making better economic moves, uh, financial moves in their, in their careers. Yes, that will create some, those are transitory uh, price increases, but that's not inflation. A price being inflated is not inflation. Inflation, as we use that term, means when the government is adding to the money supply and expanding the number of dollars, thus devaluing the existing dollars in circulation. And we are at the highest level, I believe, in the history of the country at this point, right now, doing it. Money is becoming devalued. It is constituting, you want to talk about low-income Americans or working-class Americans or Main Street uh, versus Wall Street. Wall Street can survive inflation. The average working person who is seeing the price of milk, gas, beef, orange juice, rising, 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 cannot. And there's no end in sight to this because Biden wants to spend more. They keep saying, spend more, spend, spend. Where is the money coming from? Well, we're either borrowing it from China or we are inventing it and devaluing the dollar in the process. Wines at 695 Patriot, 957-2874. One more clip of Hillary. Cut five. If I were a betting person right now, I say Trump is going to run again. I mean, he seems to be setting himself up to do that. And if he's not held accountable, then he gets to do it again. I think that could be the end of our democracy, not to be too, you know, pointed about it. But I want people to understand that this is a make or break point. If he were or someone of his ilk were once again to be elected president, and if especially he had a Congress that would do his bidding, you will not recognize our country. So given everything you've just described, do you ever have moments of responsibility mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. guilt mm-hmm. Oh, about sure. what's happened? Of course, because I, I tried to warn people. I tried to make the case that uh, this was really dangerous. The people he was allied with, what they were saying, what he might do. And I do think, but for Jim Comey and the stunt he pulled 10 days before the election, I would have won. I feel terrible about not stopping him and the people around him. But I, I wait, feel wait, how are you like now stop them? everybody can see for themselves what kind of leader he is. And clearly there were people who liked what they saw, despite what I see as the real dangers to our country. They turned out and voted for him. And... He's trying to get it set up so that will happen again for him, even if he loses, as he did twice, the popular vote. So the stunt, the stunt of you and your laptop with classified emails that you were clearly sending and receiving on a private server, that was a stunt when the FBI looked into it. Um, James Comey, was on Trump's side in your in your in your mind. He he was a Trump guy doing Trump's bidding. I would like someone to ask the follow-up, what was she going to do to stop them? 
the FBI, that is, or was they are, were they already working for her? Wines at 695 Patriot 9572874. We are right. They are wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot.